This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. It's time for Te Fatu Ora Southern Health updates from Health New Zealand. Well, we've talked about the new Dunedin Hospital build a few times here on the spot, but today we take a slightly different angle on it. Uh, it's an opportunity to speak with Alex Muir, Senior Archaeologist from New Zealand Heritage Properties, who's been working on site. Alex joins us on the line now. Morning, good to have you with us, Alex. Hi, thanks very much for having me. Alex, you studied uh, here at Otago. Nice to be working on a big project in the city. Oh, it definitely is. It's good to sort of apply what we've learned and anything so perhaps you could tell us a little about the role that New Zealand Heritage Properties plays in this build of the new Dunedin Hospital. Absolutely. Um, so New Zealand Heritage Properties, we've uh, been employed to manage the archaeological um, obligations of the project uh, under the uh, under the Act itself. Um, and so that goes from you know writing assessments um, at the very beginning to sort of see what we might think we might be encountering. Uh, that then leads us on to um, gaining some archaeological authorities for the project itself, which means we have um, the, the right to uh, modify or destroy any archaeology we might come across, um, recording it as we go, obviously. Um, and then after the fact, once we've recorded everything, analyzed everything, we write up um, a really great report um, on the project itself and having such a big site or two sites as it would be with the Cadbury's block means we um, are going to be able to get quite a bit of information I think about sort of early Dunedin uh, settlement itself. Well no doubt you started when this project uh, came uh, to uh, you by Mm -hmm. doing some research on what we know about these areas and these particular Mm -hmm. sites. What do we know? So um, it's quite interesting uh, comparing the blocks themselves. So the block we're currently working on, um, the more northern block for the outpatients building, uh, that was heavily um, domestic occupation. So we have the earliest occupation for that block being in about the 1850s. We have a very small cottage sort of in the southwest corner of the site itself. Uh, And then quickly by sort of the 1870s, we're getting far more occupation with more sort of smaller, um, smaller cottages around uh, the block itself and even within the 1870s, within the 10 years we get um, huge amounts of influx of occupation there and by the 1880s the block is is just very, very full uh, with occupation with domestic residences. Um, With those sections sometimes you can have up to six to eight houses uh, per section so we've got some really dense occupation in that northern block um, which we can then sort of compare and contrast to the southern blocks, uh, which was where the Cadbury um, buildings were themselves, that was far more uh, commercial occupation. Um, so you've got things such as breweries, tanneries and soap works um, all across the site. We hardly have any domestic occupation there. So being able to, to look at both of those um, areas themselves, I think is going to give us a really great, great contrast um, for this sort of small area of Dunedin. So, how do you then go about doing your work, the excavations? Yeah, so we work very closely with um, the contractors and the excavating team. Um, how we're excavating the northern uh, site that we're working on at the moment, we're just um, doing two by two metre uh, sort of areas and then excavating down to 1.4 or 1.6, depending on the, the ground conditions. 
for then the um, piles to be uh, piled through. Um, but with that, as we said, so we um, do very small scrapes, you know, maybe 100 mil at a time, to see what layers are coming up. Um, as we're going down, we're recording sort of the soils that we're coming across, we're mapping things in, and collecting any artifacts we might be coming across, um, and any features that we might be seeing as well. Uh, once we're down to that full depth of 1.6, we um, take lots of photos as we go, and then we also draw um, sort of a profile or stratigraphy um, of each pile hole just to see the changes in layers, um, measure their thicknesses and things like that. Um, so then once everything is done across site, we'll be able to have a really great cross-section uh, and see how there's sort of changes across the site itself. I know what we're all going to want to know is what have you found so far? <laughs> what have we found? It's it's quite interesting, I think. Um, so we've found uh, in the more eastern portion, um, we found quite a fair bit of structural remains, so uh, bluestone foundation, foundation walls of the colleges that would have been on that um, that side. We've also found some brick um, stable floors, which we can line up really nicely with uh, some early historic plans that we have, so we can identify, yep, this is where the stables was, and this is the floor associated with that stable. So that's really nice in itself, being able to um, make those um, those comparisons at this early stage. Um, and then on the west and southwestern sort of area of the site where I mentioned previously we have that really early occupation, we've been finding um, quite an interesting artifacts bearing layer. Uh, it seems to be sort of oriented east to west across the site in a line that we found at the moment. Uh, and it's really, really dense, really dense uh, artifacts. So you're scraping through and the, everything you scrape is just uh, ceramics and glass, uh, formal remains and things like that. So from that deposit, uh, we've had some pretty interesting um, artifacts come up. One of them um, that's quite interesting, I think, is sort of a little whiteware teacup uh, with the name Elizabeth in gold uh, lettering on it. Um, and having done some research into that, um, we found that there was a neighbouring... Uh, a neighbouring family, the Strang family, and they had a daughter, Elizabeth. So it's highly likely that we're having sort of these artefacts being deposited. And so it's really nice to make those stories um, already and see, sort of being able to see who was present on the block and being able to see what they were using and, and consuming and things like that. Um, we've also had quite a lot of shoes, whether they've been hobnail shoes, which are sort of the earlier workwear shoes to make sure you're not slipping around. And um, we've also had some smaller children's shoes. Uh, and one of those um, shoes that we've had has had SW inscribed on the bottom. It's not, um, it's not usual that you get some of those initials carved in. But um, we've found on the block someone called Daniel Webb. Um, he did live, live on the other end of the block, so it's potential it could have been his, but yeah, we're still searching through the records to see if there was an SW living sort of more on that section of the site that we can attribute um, these things to. How amazing to be able to draw connections between individual items or parts of items and potentially families that we know about. I guess you, this work that you're doing feeds into a, a wider network of historical information. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, having this early information we've we've got at the very beginning stages, um, everything we're sort of doing on site is, is adding to that narrative as we go. And then by the end, we should be able to have a really great data set of 
um, own effects and, and structural remains, like we said, but also relating them, like you said, to those families that would have lived in those blocks and being able to make those stories, especially in these sort of uh, early early areas of Dunedin. It's a really fantastic thing. What happens with the artefacts? I mean, do you hold on to everything or do you just record some and, you know, that might not be so valuable and, and, and well, cast them away or is everything retained? Um, so it's a bit of a, an interesting, usually on site um, we would retain them and take them back to our labs, analyse them at our labs and then um, they get returned to the land, landowner. Uh, the site is um, slightly more interesting. We do have some contamination um, with, with heavy metals and asbestos, very low levels, but we do have it. So we've got to think of everyone's safety first. Um, and so what we have been doing is washing and analysing on site um, and photographing everything that comes out, um, and then it gets disposed of. But we have been retaining a few sort of more special little items, you know, like the, the cup and, and the shoe, things like that. Um, and we've also found a little coin from 1834. So we've put that in a little special bag just in case, you know, eventually it might want to be displayed one day. We do have a few of the nicer bits and pieces. Where are you at with your work now? How much lies ahead of you yet? Um, we're a very good way through. I think we're probably maybe um, halfway. We've got a few more uh, potholes to open and then we're going to be doing some more sort of connecting trenches between those. Um, but yeah, it's going really, really well so far. Fascinating story. Well, um, we'd be, I guess, watching with interest just in case you turn up anything even more amazing than what you've done so far. What a great uh, piece of work uh, to have you doing after having studied uh, in the city, bringing all your skills to bear along with your team on this. Uh, how big is the team? Um, the team that we've got working uh, on site generally ranges um, from about two to four, just depending on um, how busy we are on the day. Um, but our office team themselves, I think we've got maybe 17 archaeologists, and a lot of them have studied in Otago, so it's really nice just being able to have that cohort and being able to, yeah, as you say, um, put all skills to use throughout the city. Well, great to catch up with you, Alex. Alex Muir, Senior Archaeologist from New Zealand Heritage Properties, uh, working with her team on the Dunedin Hospital Build site. Thanks for joining us, Alex. Thanks very much for having me. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.